Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Welcome back for another week's episode. This is episode 177 with the man, the turkey man himself, Mr. Dave Owens. Uh, We are super pumped about it. This is your boy, East Coast Trev, and I am joined by my good buddy, Mr. Madman Mardik. What up, brother? Oh, all right. I didn't know if you had anything crazy to say, because normally you do, so I didn't... (laughs) I was waiting. I seen like the smirk on your That's face, and I'm like, "Oh, we're we're in for it." <laughs> keep you on your toes. Yeah. Hey, you know, it's just gotta. I guess. It, I guess it's just gotta come naturally. We can't force it. I guess, right? <laughs> Never that. Nope. Well, man, I I just. I know the season is coming to winding down and things are kind of crazy and hectic and I went to that captain's class and it's finally nice to be back on podcasting and kind of getting things underway. We have a ton of huge changes here at the Outdoor Drive. We've officially changed the logo. Um, We've added a production team to the team. Uh, There's a ton of great stuff going on, so you're going to see a lot more from us on social media side, on YouTube. pretty much anywhere and everywhere a little bit on tiktok we kind of like kind of boycotted that place though it's it's kind of a crappy place to be tiktok sucks it's cool to watch the videos but it's not really fun to be part of them because they constantly in our world and in our industry they kind of like boycott it i guess you can say right i mean it's just yeah i i tried to dabble with my own personal tiktok for a little while but every time i made a video it went against community standards so i come to find out that i'm just not community standard worthy in tiktok's world so screw them yeah that's what i say that's exactly what i think man it's just we're not in their world but screw them we don't need them we got yeah. uh we got elon musk over there at uh twitter he- he'll take care of us and uh youtube yeah. there's nothing wrong with youtube and hey, now the youtube youtube's about to take off for us here shortly we're super excited about that team and I, I'm I'm very excited because you know it's not going to be very long now um, before we we're all going to be in Harrisburg for our first show together and it's kind of cool is because the outdoor drive was released in Harrisburg originally three years ago yeah. so now to to be back there and and bring the team there and that's kind of like our starting point kind of our local show and hopefully someday we'll be able to have a booth there I mean that's kind of like my end all be all goal you know I mean that's I would love to do the nine days in Harrisburg and podcast and hang out. I mean, that's if I had one goal for the 2024 season, I think that's what it's going to be is to, is to have a booth in Harrisburg. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you actually cleared that up. Cause I had a couple of people reach out to me asking if we had a booth at Harrisburg. So if anybody's confused, no, we do not have a booth, but we will be there 
you know, just mingling amongst everybody. So if you're there and you want to meet up or whatever, reach out to us and we'll be, we'll be around. So yeah, we'll be around the ninth, the 10th, 11th and the 12th. Uh, so that's, that's a, what is that? A Friday, Saturday, Sunday, no Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and we just get to go, we, you know, we get the media room, we do some podcasts in there and stuff like that. It just, it's, and it's a little bit much for us, honestly, to have that show and have everybody. But now having a good team behind us that we can probably get everybody to kind of join up there and kind of get things underway and, and have fun. And then we will have a booth at, as you guys know from the last podcast, um, in the Springfield show. And then we will have a booth in um, the Mohegan show here in Connecticut. So we are not really traveling much because there's been so much changes um, with amongst the team and the outdoor drive that, you know, our focus is, is trying to get that stuff underway and into you. Um, and I know there's going to oh. be merch is in the, in the works. We'll have that on our website, the outdoor drive. We've been revamping that. If you guys didn't get over, maybe pr- probably check that thing out. Um, and, uh, you know, just the, the simple simplicity of, uh, just, just kind of pumping forward, man. And just keeping that drive going. I it, know it's funny because it, sometimes it feels like we're almost slacking a little bit, but we are doing so much behind the scenes works and getting, getting stuff situated and revamping stuff. Like it's, it, there's a lot going on that you can't even imagine, but no things are getting done. It's all coming together now. And it's all going to come out. Of, uh, Go ahead. Speaking of Springfield, th- that was one thing that I missed out on because of our crazy schedules. I, I didn't get to jump on the intro for that show, but, you know, you said how your 2024 goal is to hopefully get a booth at Harrisburg. I can't even believe that I'm going to be behind a booth at Springfield. Right. Be, just growing up, going to that show and like, all, you know, just every year went to the Springfield Sportsman Show and now going into it this year. I can't believe like I'm going to be on the other side of a table at the Springfield Sportsman Show. Like as weird as it sounds, it's almost like a dream come true. Like, you know. Yeah, no, I, it, it totally is, dude. And, and I mean, that's, you know, for a small town show, that's the show that we all look forward to. I mean, it was it was like, I mean, if you could compare it to one thing, it would be like our mini Harrisburg, right? I mean, it was a couple buildings, it was shooting, it had everything, man. So it, I totally get it. The big bucks are all yeah. there. That's, that's our New England show. Uh, so we're looking forward to getting there and, and all that stuff. Um, and, and just kind of be in there. So. And, you know, the other thing I'm kind of looking forward to is turkey season. I know it's kind of crazy. We haven't even snapped into shed season. Not all the sheds are on the ground. And everybody kind of knows that, my, me personally, and I know Marduk has started to become more of this, but a big-time shed hunter, and we're looking forward to shed hunting. But it, there's nothing more that I'm looking forward to than turkey hunting because turkey hunting, we have a lot of fun together in turkey hunting. Like, there's, you know, we – me and you, Madman, had a blast last year turkey hunting and running and gunning and causing oh, yeah. trouble and whatever else that we had done. Um, and then, you know, now to have a new crew, uh, we were talking about doing not, I don't want to call it a public land challenge, but I guess we can call it a public land challenge where, like, you know, we have two guys from Mass, we have two guys from Rhode Island, and we have two guys from Connecticut. And Steve had come up with this 
and uh, just like let's go battle royale. You know, we'll go into Connecticut for one Saturday. Let's see what everybody can do. You know what I'm saying? Then we'll go to you know Rhode Island for one weekend. See what everyone could do. We'll go to Mass for a weekend and see what everyone can do. And you know, and we still have our main trip and everything. But I think just those teams and just kind of you know just instill some type of competition to kind of get things you know up and rolling and everything else like that. I think it will be kind of fun, dude, you know, like let's see what everybody can do, you know, um, and going along with that, not only as Turkey season's coming and all the things that we have to, to offer for Turkey season, but also all of our Turkey calls, we have all of our custom Turkey calls. So as I had said earlier in the podcast that we're going to be having a new logo, our new logo is going on all the new calls. So, uh, we're, we've been waiting for you know, Jordan Johnson over at Combination Creative knocked it out of the park for us uh, as far as the logo went. Uh, you know, we kind of gave him a vision, and he made it reality. And uh, so we sent that over to Mark, and Mark is now working on all the pot calls and stuff are all going to have the new custom logo on it. So it's kind of cool, you know. Uh, we had the old logo, the old podcast logo, you know, not we still are the outdoor drive podcast per se, but we are also the outdoor drive is what we are. Um, so we're looking forward to it. And, uh, I'm really looking forward to the season, to be honest. I mean, it looks like the hatches are good. I'm seeing a lot of turkeys around and driving big flocks. Um, something we haven't seen in a while, honestly. I mean, I, I don't know what you're seeing, Madman, but. Um, I haven't really seen a lot of flocks, but um, I, I've been out uh, last weekend. It was a three-day weekend for me with Martin Luther, and um, I, I took a good walk on all three days. I say shed hunting. It's it's still too early to really be shed hunting. I mean, mm-hmm. there's definitely bone on the ground, but from what I'm seeing, less than 50% have shed out. So um, I've just been kind of just diving into a couple new pieces of public that I've never been to before. And I'm, I'm seeing some turkey signs scratching, a lot of a lot of um, – hen droppings and stuff like that so um it's looking good but not for nothing i mean the weather this winter has been so mild i mean mm. it to, even to now i mean it feels like it's turkey season now it, it feels like spring out right it's now 54 degrees 54 degrees yeah. right now yeah so i don't think we're out of the woodwork yet i think uh i think we're still gonna get smashed with some snow before it's all said and done it'll probably be the day that we drive to harrisburg i was just gonna say that it's just gonna say we're gonna hit an ice storm on our ride down through uh but absolutely uh so man what do you think man let's get uh dave owens on let's let him talk about turkey we like turkey oh i forget everything what i forget you forgot something what i forget boy it's me manny oh um It's me. Hold on one second. Let me let me let me phone over. I, let's make sure Manny's not sleeping over there across the pond. Oi, you, yeah you, put down that mug of Joe and get your lips wrapped round one of these bad boys. That's right. Nor'easter game calls. Give it a blow. Nor'easter game calls. Get them in close. This winter, use Huntworth's Heat Boost products for impeccably warm body parts, guaranteed. Get more for less with Huntworth. Vital Ground Outdoors, for all your climbing hardware needs. Amstel Mobile Hunting redefined with Vital Ground Outdoors. New Era Archery, home of the Zeus Broadheads, as well as the Hera. Let the Zeus loose with New Era Archery. 
I would just like to thank our generous sponsors. Back over to you, Trevor. Ah, uh, he must have broke in from a a big cup of tea over there, Mister Manish. He, I, <laughs> I love that guy. I really do, man. I wish he lived closer so that he could come and hang out at all the shows and stuff. We have a lot of fun with Manny. So, but let's uh let's break this right into Dave. Let's let the turkey man do the turkey talking because we don't know anything compared to this this guy. Oh, uh, he's. The, I look up to Dave. So when it comes to turkey hunting, he's my guy. You know, uh, I've said it many times on podcasts before. I've only really been turkey hunting six, maybe seven years. And I'd like to say I'm self-taught um, as much as you can be in this day and age because you always have YouTube and podcasts at your disposal. Mm-hmm. But um, Dave was the one guy that after I started watching him on YouTube, stuff really started to click. And I went from a guy who maybe got a bird a year to getting two or three a year. Um just by watching what Dave does and how how Dave hunts, so I think one of the cool he takes you through him. his hunt and he his methodical moves through the woods and how he does things. A lot of f- first hand first perspective hunting and really shows you how he does things and why he makes the chess moves that he actually makes, like he talks about in the podcast. Right, and I don't remember if I actually said this during the episode. I don't think I did, but like prior to following Dave, I was a, you know, get on a roosted bird in the morning. It either worked out or it didn't. And if I didn't kill him off the stick, I might as well just pack it in because my hunt was over. And after learning stuff from Dave, I learned that if I just stay with those birds, I might not kill them till 10, 11 o'clock in the morning, but there's no reason to go back to the truck. Just hang tight, follow those birds around, stay within earshot. And like you said, keep making those chess moves and eventually check me, you know, it's crazy how, you know, we, we talk about it a ton and how the Turkey, the Turkey woods, you can play the methodical slow and low, you know what I'm saying? Where he, you know, yep. how he hunts, we'll call it that, slow and low. And then you have the running and gunning fast pace. And they're all, they all successfully work, right? Like you, you can kill birds either way, but it's like, what makes best sense for you? You know, like, what do you know how to do? Are you, you know, as long as, in my opinion, and we didn't really talk about this, but as long as you're not putting too much pressure on those birds to get them to where they won't, you know what I'm saying? Like, like putting steady pressure on them birds, um, I think that they're both very good moves, but it's just how you go about it and what you think. So I think having two different perspectives and learning two different things, I think will work out even better for you. Right. So yeah, knowing what what to do and when to do it, what the what the bird calls for at that particular time. That I mean, and that's what turkey hunting is. I mean, it's it's not about you. It's not about what's going on. It's about what the bird wants. It's really what the bird right. wants. If the bird wants to talk, let him talk. If he don't want to talk, don't let him talk. He wants to get killed. He's going to get killed. You know, like it's, it's, it's what you want to make of the situation. So, well, let's let Dave talk about this because I I know we, we, we aren't half, we can't hold a candlestick to Dave when it comes to turkey hunting. So let's, let's let the man talk. He probably kills more turkeys in a year than I'll kill in my lifetime. (laughs) It's the truth. That's the truth. Let's get uh, Mr. Dave on the line. All right. We're back on the phone with Dave from the Pinhody Project. I was I almost got it wrong earlier. I'm not gonna lie to you because I'm bad with words. But <laughs> how you doing, Dave? Doing well, man. Being bad with words and running a podcast, man. You. <laughs> <laughs> I no, think- it's pretty. It's a uh, the Pinhody Project is not not a common 
open word. Pinotti's not common, and uh, half the people still can't pronounce it. But it's it's kind of cool having something that um, kind of started from nobody knowing, having a clue what it was or how to spell it or how to pronounce it, and now it's hopefully it's in the turkey hunting circles. It's getting to be a, a household name. So, so for those that don't know, what does it actually mean? It's uh, a Creek Indian word. It, it actually means turkey home. Oh. Is the actual meaning of Pinhoti. Um, so yeah, it's little little bit of a down home meaning because we have everybody's familiar with like the Appalachian Trail, mm-hmm. uh, the AP, uh, a lot of hiking, a big hiking destination, and the Pinhoti Trail is kind of the the south end of that. It links up or almost links up with the AT and uh, runs through my hometown and through a big block of national forests. So it all just kind of came full circle and made sense when we were trying to figure out what to name this thing. That works out really well, man. Well, let's turn the key. Let's get this thing underway. Why don't you tell everybody who you are, where you're from, and what you do? Uh, my name's Dave Owens. Uh, I'm a I'm a turkey hunter. I don't really advertise myself as much else. Don't really care to be much else. Uh, from uh, Northwest Georgia, uh, born and raised. Um, kind of shuffled around a little bit in that area of Northwest Georgia. Uh, kind of got closer to Atlanta for a handful of years, and now I'm in. Uh, northern Alabama. So I've crossed the state lines, which I've always lived northwest Georgia. We were always right there on the on the state line. So Alabama's always been just about as much home as Georgia's been. And uh now we now we've got an Alabama home. So um but yeah, that's where I'm from and what I do is is just turkey hunt, produce turkey content, produce hunting content, I guess I should say, but obviously it's centered around turkeys. Um that's kind of uh in us, in us to stay and trying to just uh, doing what we can to promote the resource, promote the hunting culture, the traditions, and uh, I don't know, make it cool, man. Yeah, I mean, it is. I mean, it doesn't get any cooler than turkey hunting, in my opinion, honestly. Yeah. Especially the way you do it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I think everybody's kind of grasp on the whole hanging out and smoking a cigar after. It's kind of it's something that's kind of – it's your signature thing. I know Steve brought it to my life, but – I do it every yeah. time now. Yeah, it's cool. It's, it's a it's – a, the main idea there was just to slow down. Everything had gotten so fast-paced and – um, I'm as guilty as anybody. I mean, I, most of the stuff that I've kind of, that I do is obviously, or, or people, um, blame me for like the cigars and stuff like that was, is just a way of a mistake that I was making on my own. You know, I was, I was in a rush. I was hurrying, you know, this 49 state slam thing got in my mind and, and, and everybody's mind or the grand slam or whatever it is you may be chasing. And it's, you're worried about the next one before you've really enjoyed the one and, you know, enjoyed the one that you may have in your hands or enjoy the present time. So it was just one of those things where slowed us down a little bit and made us think, made us chat, made us kind of revel in the moment a little longer. So I'm glad that people have kind of grasped hold to it and maybe not everybody's running back to the truck and throwing them in the bed of the truck and trying to find the next one. So. No, I think it's kind of important, honestly, and I think that you kind of hit the, the nail on the head with that because we do, we speed on to the next thing or whatever, and you don't, you know, the people, you know, like our, the generations before us, they would, it was, that was it. When you killed a deer, that was, you know, you celebrated forever about that one deer, you know, and then like yeah. as the generation started to come on, what do we do? We just like, all right, what are we going to kill next? What are we going to kill next? Yeah. And to sit back and tell the story, relax, chill, and just really give it give the animal what you owe to it honestly 
Yeah, and, and I think with the, the, that's just a product of us being a little bit spoiled. We have game populations that the times of old didn't have, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, they'd have to hunt all season to find that deer that they killed, and they were going to ride that joke around on the hood of the car for two days to make sure everybody knew that they killed one. <laughs> yeah. The turkey, you know. Um, and I think the game populations have got us a little bit spoiled because there is always another one to, to chase around the next corner. Um, but – I don't know. I just saw that as a little bit of, of uh, the importance of of the journey uh, kind of being a little bit, you know, overshadowed by the success. And um, we wanted to, uh, you know, we spun this thing in a way to, to highlight the journey, not the not the, you know, not the trophy at the end. And um, wanted the trophy to be, you know, wanted to be the journey in getting there. So, um, you know, smoking the cigar and and slowing down and, um, you know, taking nice pictures and trying to highlight the whole process is, is something to put, keep the main thing, the main thing, I guess is what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. For sure. So one of my biggest questions with you, man, and and you traveling and stuff, I kind of want to dive into like what you go through from state to state, because I think that even if the guys that aren't traveling that are listening to this, they could take a lot from it to try and locate a turkey to start off. And mm-hmm. so when you get to a state, right, you ride up, say, you know, whatever state it is, and you show up in that state, what do you do first to make yourself in the success right off the bat? Um, shoot, man, when it is, it's, there's so much that goes into it, um, and it's changed over time with the, the mapping software and stuff that we have available now is just, just crazy. I mean, you can almost hunt on a whim. Like um, you can be going through a state and literally turn your maps on and turn your state lands on and just go to, you get close to one. And here again, we're somewhat spoiled because um, game populations are so rich and pretty much throughout that you can drive and you get a good block of timber and, you know, in most areas of the country, you can be pretty sure there's probably a turkey somewhere in it. Um, case in point is a couple uh, year before uh, year before last, um, driving through Nebraska and was just getting from point A to point B. Um, didn't really even have intentions on hunting Nebraska, but just driving down through there, could tell I wasn't going to get to the next state in time to hunt the next morning, um, and. Drove past some state ground. There was a hen in the ditch. And I thought, hmm, if there's a hen in the ditch, there's probably some gobbler somewhere close. So called in, got a license, went to a piece of state ground that I was right off the beaten path from. I mean, literally right around the corner and um, was on turkeys. So it can be as simple as that now. But if somebody's wanting to really plan ahead, which is what I would suggest, and um, if you're really going to say go to a take a 10 day or nine day vacation and, and want to go and hunt a couple states. Nothing's changed when it comes to doing the groundwork. I hear again, it's changed, but it shouldn't have changed. Like you should still go through all the same steps that you did 10 years ago. You should get a state map. You should look um, on the websites of the states that are available um, and look at harvest statistics. They usually have hunter success rates. I mean, that's always a great place to start. Um, that doesn't mean go to the state, find where they kill the most turkeys and go there because here again, we're balancing a pressure aspect versus a success aspect. This county, um, may see 
you know, the most birds, but then you look at that county, it's got very little public land. Well, this county may not kill as many birds, but it's got a ton of public land to run around on. Well, you know, not to mention this, this county kills a lot of birds, but it's also close to a big city. So it probably sees a lot more pressure. That's the reason it kills more birds because there's more people hunting there. So you've got to take all those things into consideration when you're making that initial, like putting that initial dot on the map where you want to focus. Because when you're just saying, Hey, I want to go to state X or state Y or, or whatever. I mean, it's, that's a, that's a wide net. I mean, that's, that's a wide net. Um, so you got to start somewhere as, you know, funneling and, and bottlenecking all that information down and uh, getting you a couple places to kind of focus on. And then it's just piece by piece. You're just, you know, it's like your funnel's getting narrower and narrower. You take that broad net, you get where you want to start, you start picking out specific areas, you start calling biologists, uh, try to get some, whether it be biologists or park rangers or, or game wardens or um, timber crews. Sometimes you can get uh, research assistants. I mean, there's all kind of people that have feet on the ground that, um, can get you some some real world knowledge. And I love that. I would rather talk to somebody who's familiar with the area, um, even over a biologist. Like some of these biologists have huge blocks of timber that they're responsible for. Then they can give you some general information. But man, if you can get that timber crew that's been out there cutting timber, um, that guy's out there about every day, or at least most of them, you know. Um, or if you can get these people that are doing research or research assistants or the uh, the wildlife techs, the ones that are not the biologists, but the ones that are actually out there doing the mowing, doing the planning. You know, if you can get one of them on the phone, getting some of that. I saw this yesterday. I'd rather somebody tell me where they saw a turkey across the road last week than have this person's information on where what I what they should suggest, you know. Um, but it's just being persistent um, and, and just trying to collect those little bitty crumbs put you close enough to hear a turkey the, the first day you're in there and not to you know it's not the end of the world if you don't hear a turkey the first day i mean um but it's just trying to put all the chips in your corner as you possibly can to, to be able to be in turkeys and when you're looking at maps are you looking for different like different features on the map or something that kind of puts you in that direction like you know agriculture or you know, ridges or whatever, like that type of topographical features that you're looking for when you're mapping? Um, it's all situational. I mean, it, it always, it's situational, always will be, um, because what you're looking for in Connecticut or New Hampshire is going to be different than what I'm looking for in Wyoming or what I'm looking for in Kansas. Um, because, but at the end of the day, what you're looking for is a, a, a defining feature that's not available everywhere that they need. You know what I mean? So like a lot of the places out West that may be roosting habitat because there just might not be any of it. So when you find good roosting habitat, riparian areas or whatever it may be, that's going to be where a lot of the turkeys may be roosting and you can start focusing your effort there. Like Kansas, some of Oklahoma, um, those creek bottoms and stuff that have the big cottonwoods and there may not be another tree for, you know, miles you can concentrate on those creek bottoms and know that if I get to a number of those creek bottoms early in the morning, then I could possibly hear turkeys that are, you know, and try to kind of find where they're roosting and find a good starting place. But if you're looking at, you know, the, the desert Southwest, um, 
roosting habitat is is one thing, but also water. I mean, these birds kind of center around water. Um, so you got to find, you know, just because it says it's a creek on a map, don't believe that because it's gotten me in trouble and it'll get you in trouble too because that's a creek on a map like for a week of the year. Mm-hmm. You know, they have their wet season, which is maybe a couple of days. Um, so water may be that defining characteristic. Um, you get over here on the east side, on the eastern turkeys, what most people are hunting, um, you know, are, you know, those those features that that kind of bottleneck the turkeys are not quite as abundant because they kind of have a little bit of everything. They have mast a lot of times. They'll have open areas. They'll have creeks and water. And so you can't really bottleneck them down. But what I try to do is find an area that has everything that they may need and uh, in a tight, poor area. And also try to find as many of those type places um, in a, in a small enough area where I can hit more of them in one day than, or maybe even in the morning. I really like to be able to find diversity where it may be field edges, um, uh, some young timber, some older timber, um, road beds, you know, creek bottoms, you know, have everything that a turkey could potentially need. And if I can put my ears on all of that at one time, if I can find a high point, I let the turkeys tell me where they are. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, because on the east side, you can do a lot of different things. But hunting with your ears is, in my opinion, definitely the most effective. Um, you just get yourself in a position to let them make a mistake with their mouth and you can you can figure out where you need to start. And then it's just putting the puzzle pieces together. Are you trying when you're on those high points? Are you trying to strike them like with some type of you know you know shock gobble of some sort? Are you just letting them do their their type of talking naturally before you do anything? If it's early in the morning, yeah, I'm letting them do their thing. Typically, um, I will owl or try to get a shock gobble, but it's usually after they should have already done their thing. So it's more or less uh, I'm just double checking before I get to moving that I there's not one here that's just needing a little jump start. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to let turkeys, uh, for the most part, I like to let turkeys do their thing on their own time. Um, they, I think, I can't remember who it is that said uh, turkeys have all day, all day to get there and nowhere to go. So, I mean, you can't really rush them. You got to live on turkey time if you're really wanting to kill one. So, um, I usually let the woods wake up. It's one of my favorite things is to put my back against a tree or my shoulder against a tree and let the woods wake up on its own time. I really love to hunt a place and leave a place and nobody ever know I've been there. The critters never know I was there. I like to get in and out without causing much of a disruption. I think that's that's the epitome of a woodsman, like being able to go in and hunt a place, become one with the critters that are living there and and hunt it tomorrow, knowing that you didn't mess up anything today. Um, and I think that's one of the biggest um, compliments a, play, a person can, can, can get is to to know that if you went and hunted through a place that somebody else shouldn't be afraid to go hunt it tomorrow because you didn't stink the place up. So. I think that's that. Remember the guy that had the, what was the avian bird flu? He came in oh, the middle God. of the morning. <laughs> you get a lot of that where the guys come in and they, they hit the crow call. Then they hit the owl call. Then they hit the, you know, they cluck the hen call. And it's like, yeah. man, just let the turkeys do what the turkeys are going to do. They're going to tell you where they are. You know, like it's, yeah. it's especially in the morning, right? I mean, they're going to. Yeah. yeah, for sure. They're going to go. That's what they situational. Do. I mean, everything's situational. I've, you know, out west, a lot of times I'll be, you know, we'll be covering huge amounts of ground, blowing coyote howlers, 
doing some cutting and running on long boxes and trying to strike turkeys that, you know, out West, those turkeys cover such vast amounts of ground. Mm -hmm. You've really got to move to kind of find them. Um, we can cut and run on the East side, um, as well. It's just my, I prefer to get in and out without anything knowing I'm there. And even if I'm cutting and running, I'm not just bumbling through the woods unbeknownst to anything around me. It's, it's always a slipping. It's always a, it's always stealthy. Like I'm always planning my next, I'm not just going into an area because, you know, you can get this from deer hunting. Um, when, when everybody talks about access and entry, like you're never going to kill the deer if you blow them out on your way in. Well, that's, that can be said for turkeys too. You know, if you, <laughs> you can't walk through the field and expect him to be gobble in the field when you get there, you know, it's kind of that kind of mentality. So Anytime I'm working a ridge, I'm always on the offhand side of the ridge. I don't walk the crest of the ridge and let everything around me see me. You know, it's always, you always got to slip and you, you've got to hunt with it. You know, you've got to hunt. You've got to hunt like knowing that whatever you think is there is actually there. You know, if you hunt without confidence, like, oh, he ain't really there, but I'm going to check anyway. Well, chances are you ain't going to be on your P's and Q's and you're going to bump him anyway. So sure, he may not be there. Um, but if you hunt like there's a turkey around the next every corner, then you're going to be more successful. Uh, I mean, in my opinion, every time I hit a turkey call, a turkey's listening to me. So whether he gobbles or not, that's, a, that's another thing. But in my opinion, every time I touch a turkey call, a turkey is listening to me and could potentially be moving to me. So I'm always moving as if I have a turkey approaching. So, um, it gets you out of trouble. A lot of times you, you see things that other people are going to miss you hear things other people are going to miss and um, and you kill quite a few turkeys that happen at the blink of an eye because you were paying attention to what was going on around you. That's so true. It's funny that you say that because a lot of people don't think like that. And I never used to really hunt like that, like slipping into places and kind of doing that. Like you're like, oh, no, a bird's not going to come silent on me. Like he's not going to gobble. You know what I'm saying? And you're sitting there yeah. and then what is it? There he is. His red head's popping up. And I, I, <laughs> I'm wicked impatient when it comes to that sometimes. Like I got to like <laughs> if they're going to gobble, I'm going to make them gobble. And if they're not going to gobble, yeah. I don't want to hunt them. You know, like it's yeah. oh, it's yeah. tough. You know, it's yeah. Because everybody wants to hear you'll that guy. Hand, you'll see in a handful of our videos, we kill turkeys because we heard them drum. I mean, we're slipping through the woods and taking our time step by step, and we hear a turkey drum. We're like, I just heard a turkey drum. And and we get to the ground, and we'll call the turkey in on his drumming. He never gobbled. We just called the turkey in and killed him on his drumming. Um, that doesn't happen unless you are paying attention. Mm -hmm. uh, one that comes to mind Courtney and I were hunting in Alabama the first week of the season, year before last. And we were hunting a spot that I had scouted in like January, uh, found a couple hens was all I found, but we were late into the morning. I think it was like 10 o'clock or so slipping in these thicker pines. Um, but they had some, uh, the, the private ground next to it had some food plots and stuff. And it was early season. I figured the turkeys were flocked up. So I figured they may be around those food plots and we were going to kind of troll to see if we could find a satellite kind of kicked off from the flock. And we were slipping through there, did some calls, never heard a turkey, hadn't heard anything. Thought I heard a turkey drum. And now we're in pine, so you can't hear them scratching and you can, that's another, you know, sound a lot of people overlook is turkey scratching in the leaves. Like early in the season, man, those leaves, if you ain't had rain, I mean, man, that's loud. You can hear turkeys scratching the leaves for 100, 150 yards. So if you slip in a way that keeps you hidden, um, then you can hear turkeys scratching in the leaves. Um, but 
anyways, back to the story I was telling, I thought I heard a turkey drum. So we stand next to each other. like, no, I must not have heard that. I call a little bit, nothing. Hear it again. I was like, that. I think that was a turkey drum. It got us to uh, all the way to the ground. We were like, I'm pretty sure that was a turkey drumming. We sit there on the ground for a little bit. It's like, I don't know. I don't hear it. By that time, we hear it a couple times in a row. We're like, that is definitely, most definitely a turkey drumming. And we worked that turkey for an hour and a half strictly on his drumming and ended up finally convincing the two hens that he, two or three hens, I can't remember he had two or three hens, finally convinced him to come past us and we killed a turkey right before lunch. Turkey never gobbled. Still, to my knowledge, the turkey hadn't gobbled all day. Um, so we were within probably 75 yards of that turkey for over two hours. He never gobbled and we killed him strictly on his drumming. Um, that's paying attention to what's going on around you. You know, um, there's another one that you can watch from my early Alabama hunts the year before that, when my dad and I, he had gotten into a little lease over there in Alabama and we were hunting it and heard a couple turkeys off roost, but like oftentimes early season, you hear them a time or two off the roost, they'll hit the ground, shut up and. We hunted early season turkeys. I mean, we got into the hardwood ridge and I heard a turkey scratching. And I was like, you could hear that that rhythm of a turkey scratching. Not like a squirrel jumping in the leaves. It's a, that is a turkey scratching. So I crawl over the ridge top and look, and it's a long beard all by itself scratching in the leaves. So we killed that turkey due to listening, paying attention, not bumbling through the woods. You know, turkey hadn't, I mean, uh, he may have gobbled that morning on a roost. I don't know, but he definitely wasn't gobbling then. He was, he was just like hunting a fall turkey. I mean, his, he was intent on looking for acorns, but paying attention to what was going on around you, working through the woods slowly. Um, that's what killed that turkey. You know, <laughs> it wasn't your stereotypical turkey hunt, but it was still heart pounding, adrenaline pumping excitement. I can promise you. That's nuts. That's that's crazy because I'd never kill the turkey like that. I would. I personally would never kill a turkey like that because I'm like <laughs> he's not, too fast. I'm too he's fast, ready man. To... Like I like in intense. Like it. I scare myself sometimes trying to chase on them because you're just running gun. You know what I'm saying? Like you yeah. just you get on them logging roads and you just you just run on it, or you know you get on the side hill and just you just call and cut and hoping that you know one will fire back at you unless they're in an area where. You know, you know that they are, and you try and cut around on them, and you sit there and call a little bit, and so the patience kind of thing is tough for me, you know. But that's that's the way to kill them sometimes. The thing with that I really learned from watching a lot of Dave's videos is how methodical you are with. You think out every move before you make it, and you're that's what's the best thing about your YouTube channel is you're very good at explaining it. So you make a move, if it doesn't work out, you you stop and think. What's my next move? And then you, you, you're still running and gunning, but everything you do has a reason and a purpose behind it. And I learned, yeah. I learned a ton from you from watching that. Yeah, it's a war. I mean, it's it's moves and counter moves all day, right. every day. Um, so what makes turkey hunting different? Like it's it's and and the, what makes turkey hunting fun to me? While I, I think I enjoy it more than anything else, um, while I do enjoy deer hunting because I, I approach it the same way. It takes so long for a move in deer hunting to play out. I have to go. I have to sit it for a morning or an evening, and I learn from that move why it worked or why it didn't work. Um, turkey hunting, I get to make those moves and watch them play out maybe a dozen times in a morning. You know, it's so many small moves. It's so intricate. 
And yeah, every time my feet hit the ground in the mornings, it's, it's, I'm putting a move. I'm seeing how they react and I'm counter moving and expecting them to counter until we hopefully bump into each other. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's no turkeys don't do anything for no reason. And when I'm in the woods, I don't do anything for no reason either. And I think that whole mentality behind cutting and running, um, it got dumbed down so much that it almost caused a lot of hunters more harm than good. Um, there is an aspect to covering as much ground as possible, getting your calls in as over as much ground as possible that will find some success. But, um, I think it boogers a lot of birds up too and pushes some birds around as well. Um, to where I think there's a happy medium, but tw- you know, there's, there, I ain't telling you to sit beside a tree and yelp four times, you know, and not move for the whole morning. But at the same time, I think the other, other end of that is, is, you know, I don't think you need to run 10 miles a day and run a long box all day either. Um, I think there's a happy medium to where you can methodically um, peak, uh, uh, pick a piece of ground apart um, and be in and out of there to where if there was a turkey willing and able to get to you and hear you and, and was in the right mood to die that day, and you'll find him. And if he wasn't in there, um, or if he was in there but still just wasn't in the right mood, then he'll still be there tomorrow to potentially try him again. And you would try a different move then the next day then not don't keep doing the same thing or maybe, uh, but at that point in time, I think you're more relying on Turkey. Um, you're waiting on his mood to change. Um, there's only so much we can do as hunters. Um, sure. You could approach him with a different call um, or maybe from a different angle or whatnot, but I'm already approaching Turkey, especially on public ground. I'm usually approaching them with something that I think nobody else is or very few people are. Um, and when you hunt public ground, frankly, there's just only so much you can do that everybody else isn't already doing too, you know? So there is no magic ingredient, um, uh, you know, persistence, effort, determination will always win. So you just got to keep going back and you got to keep, um, not taking no for an answer. And, um, frankly, you're just waiting on the turkey to get in the right mood to make him killable. Uh, he may have four hens the day that you snuck through there. Um, those four hens may have found another suitor by the next day and he may be there alone and the same exact call, the same exact positioning will appeal to him that day. So, um, it's just being there, you know, um, time, time kills more turkeys than anything. If you can put in the time, you'll kill more turkeys. Um, if you hunt 90 days of spring, chances are you're going to kill more turkeys than the guy that hunts 10 days of spring. It's, it's always time. And do you, do you find, especially with time, like if you go in in the morning on, on a bird and that bird is tied up with a couple of hens, will you leave and then come back in on that bird 10 o'clock when they, when they potentially would drop the, the toms? Um, yeah, it's definitely a, an effective strategy for sure. Um, if I'm doing that, it's because I don't think there's any other birds in the area that could potentially be by themselves. Um, here again, we're very fortunate to have pretty rich game populations and if i find a bird that's got a lot of hens one morning i'll probably visit him again a few days down the road and see if i can find him with less hens because especially early season they'll hold on to those hens all day mm-hmm. you know they fly up with them they fly down with them they stay with them all day um later in the season if he's got a few hens i think you're more apt to find him lonely by about 9 30 10 o'clock something like that lunch whatever it may be um so a lot of that's dependent on the time of season or the time of the breeding season for the turkeys in that specific area. 
Um, I really like, say, if I'm in Alabama, if I'm hunting Alabama, it's March 25th, and I find a turkey's got some hens from flydown, my favorite strategy is to go find one that don't. Um, so that's typically what what I would rather. That's my rather's, you know. Just keep moving on until you find that. Yeah, I'll bird keep that moving. I'll play. keep picking a piece of piece, picking a piece of property apart, or uh, drop into a completely different area and just try to find one that, you know, find one. Because I know on March twenty fifth, March twenty seventh, March twenty eighth, whatever it may be, right in there, um, there should be some turkeys freeing up. You know, that first week of April, it should be some free turkeys. So if you got Big Daddy in there still holding on to the gals, I'll let him do his thing. I'll 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 visit him closer to May or late late in April, and I'll go find the find the lonely ones because we all want the lonely ones. And the, but that's tough because some of the state like you might have a couple of days to get it done in the states. So you have to move on to a different bird. Like you can't hold yourself on that one bird the whole entire time. You got to try Absolutely. and find something different. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, a lot of us, I mean, if you take off and you've got three days to get it done, last thing you want to do is get into a battle that's going to take you five days to kill him, you know? <laughs> um, and a lot of times those those big old birds that are surrounded by hens and, and jakes and stuff, um, at least for the way that I like to hunt turkeys, that's a really hard tur- turkey to kill. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of times I'll go try to find a, try to find a different one, yeah. And that, like – like I hunted Maryland in the first week and it was real tough because every time a, it's really flat, which I never really hunted flat. And you try and use the features to your advantage, right? Like you're saying, like don't crest over the hills, so on and so forth. But like, and and it's tough to make those strategic moves in some of those places that are like that. But like in that, in that first week of the season, like you would call in a, you would call out a bird and he'd start gobbling and he'd get halfway to you and then he would shut up. These hens would come out of nowhere and just pull these birds right away. And I was like, Mm -hmm. man, what in the hell am I going to do? Like I probably worked 15 different birds in a week and I'm like, how am I going to kill one, man? Like this is the hardest thing I ever done. I didn't even know what to do to be successful. Honestly, I was like, just keep moving along, I guess. I I don't know. what, What would you do in that situation? Yeah, early season. A lot of time, it's a numbers game. It's it's just trying to bump into as many turkeys and presenting yourself to them as you can. Um, you always try to, you know, obviously in early season, a lot of times you're calling to the hen. Um, you're trying to find it's almost not the right gobblers, the right hen. You try to find a hen that wants to be confrontational. Um, if you find her, you've got the game whooped. You know, you can call her in and she's going to have her boyfriend not not far behind her. Um, so a lot of times it's a numbers game and finding the right hen. Um, in early season, a lot of times it's it's kind of hunting turkeys a little slower. Um, you're trying to get outguess them. Essentially, you're outguessing the hens. Um, say if I'm hunting the Ridge and Valley area and, and it's early season, the woods are dead as a doornail. I mean, you can see 200 yards. Um, the first thing to green up is the creek bottoms and stuff. So I know a lot of times those hens are targeting those little green shoots and the insects are going to be available in that, that first little spot to green up. Or field edges or whatever it may be. So if I hear a gobbler gobbling and I know he's got hens, I'm gonna try to outguess those hens. I'm gonna say, okay, what I think they're gonna do is I think they're gonna go here. Um so then you kind of setting yourself up for a little bit of a patient, you know, patience game. Um and that's kind of all you can do. Um and like you said, you know, strolling around the middle of the day, hoping that maybe you find a subordinate bird that's lost. Even the subordinate birds early in the season may have a hen or two or they may still be uh, you know, right there with that flock. Um, sometimes you can pull them away. Sometimes it all depends on how close to the flock you can get as well. 
Um, you know, another strategy is how vocal the flocks be. And I think I did a video on Jake talking, you know, Jake's can really give a flock of turkeys away because they're just mouthy. You know, they always respond a lot of times to that, that gobbler drumming and they'll, the gobbler will drum and they'll caw, caw, caw. And you can follow that flock around if you're careful enough, keeping vegetation and topography and, and just basically staying as close to that flock as you possibly can until, hey, they turn around for some reason, you know, where they're able to get themselves in a position to where you can really close the distance. Like you can get your eyes on the flock and watch them crest a ridge, give them three minutes to get over there so that you don't get caught and you can come up the ridge behind them and potentially get in shotgun range. There's so many different ways to kill a turkey than just yelping them up. We all have our rathers and we have some ways that we just won't kill a turkey. I just won't kill one. But I'm telling you, like, every one of the ones that I will partake in is, is ground-pounding excitement for me. Um, if it wasn't, I wouldn't do it, you know. What what would what would be that scenario that you wouldn't take them? Um, obviously, you know, I don't use decoys. I don't fan turkeys. I don't use strutting decoys. So that, that's completely out for me. Um, I don't do any of that. So that's one way I don't kill turkeys. Mm -hmm. Um, I very rarely hunt turkeys late in the evening. Um, Eastern turkeys, I'll say. Now, Western turkeys, mostly because I always have this fear of hunting and shooting a turkey as it goes back up to the limb. That's just, this, this doesn't feel right to me. If I'm on a turkey that late in the evening, I would rather roost him and get the morning hunt. Like that's what... I really desire. Um, so when it gets past a certain point, not to mention like in my experience, not to say you can't, but in my experience, I just don't find turkeys acting like turkeys. Like I like to hunt turkeys late in the evening when it comes to Eastern turkeys. Um, they're a little bit more lethargic. They don't respond to the call as much. They may come to you, but it's, you know, it's just kind of like a uh, lethargic you know, kind of, uh, approach. And that's just something I'd rather not. Typically I hang my gun up and I just rather go out and try to roost them by that point in time. Um, you go out to the Midwest, you know, I've hunted Wisconsin and Minnesota quite a bit and you can get in these fields late in the evenings and find turkeys, or if it's raining, the turkeys will be out in the fields and they'll hang out in those fields. And they got these ditches and uh little, uh, irrigation ditches and stuff to where if you wanted to kill that turkey, and I've done it in the past. I'm not knocking anybody that, that, that wants to do it or that still does it. But for me, um, the desire to just go out there and shoot a turkey that's just hunkered down, miserable, living out a rainstorm, I'd just rather not. You know, I've, I've you can see in the videos from last year and the year prior to where we went out there and found some gobblers out strutting with some hens or following some hens around in the driving rain and ditches that led straight to them that were eight feet deep. I mean, you could have walked up to the turkey's upright and just popped up and shot one um i'd say i haven't done it before but it's just not something that i do on the regular anymore i just rather roost them i'd rather keep my eyes on them and roost them and get that get that next morning that roost hunt which is the whole song and dance is what i'm after and just to enjoy the hunt for what it actually is not to yeah. killing the turkey i mean not to knock it or anything but killing a turkey i mean it's not the hardest thing in the world right you want to at least enjoy it and then at least yeah. enjoy what it has to offer i'm all with that mm -hmm. i totally agree with you and, and i i'm not a big decoy guy myself i'm not a mm -hmm. i'd rather have them hunt me than than you know than to put it into a decoy i think do you do you not use a decoy just because it can ruin more hunts than it could help on a hunt 
No, because I don't believe that right. at all. Um, you hear usually the decoy guys say that, oh, it hunts, it hurts you as much. Eh. If they were that ineffective, they wouldn't be so many of them out there. Um, the things are effective. They're extremely effective. And the, you know, Dave Smith, Avian X, I mean, these flipping decoys are ultra realistic. I mean, they are effective and I've used them. I've had Dave Smith decoys before. I've built Back before B-Mobile, I built a strutting decoy. So I'm not sitting here casting stones at a glass house. I've done it all. I've shot turkeys with muzzle-loading rifles. I've done it all. So I'm speaking from experience here that I've just found the way that's most um, enjoyable for me. Mm-hmm. And um, and that's, that's the way I prefer to do it. Um, so, no, I don't use decoys because I don't like the way it changes the game. Um, I don't like – I feel like when you use a decoy, you're, you're straddling – uh, a handful of very important, very important steps that usually happen right there at the last. It's that it's those those crucial steps that happen right there in the final moments that you really got to have the proper setup, keep your mouth shut when it needs to be shut, and all of those things are kind of hurdled over when you have a visual aid like decoys and stuff. So um, when I kill him, I like knowing I fooled him from beginning to end. So that's typically why I'm, I'm not using decoys. Um, I use an analogy quite often is, you know, you got somebody that says they want to see the world. I want to travel the way I want to, I want to see the country. I want to go from, I want to go from Miami to Seattle. I want to see everything in between. Well, that's, that's inspiring to, to want to do that, but it don't make a lot of sense to see the country. If you jump on the interstate in Miami and run I-10 all the way up, hit I-40 all the way across and then hit the interstate, whatever it would be to get you all the way to Seattle. Technically, you have all went all the way across the country and you've seen a lot of it. But have you really seen all of it if you didn't, if you stayed on the interstate the whole day? And with the visual aids, I feel like you're getting from point A to point B as fast and as effortlessly as possible. Um, whereas when it comes to hunting a turkey without it, there's a lot more back roads you have to take. You got to take a lot more curves and turns and you get to experience the process much more when, when you don't have those, um, those crutches. So that's for me. I'm not casting shade on anyone that wants to use decoys or fans or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's just me. I, I, I totally agree with you. Those, you can get them to do some crazy stuff without those decoys, to be honest with you. Like the, the, the one-on-one that – it's amazing. Mm. It's amazing what a turkey will do when there's not a decoy in between you and them, to be honest. Like, yeah. you know. I mean, it's not yeah. – I'm just explaining it to the wrong guy. But, like, <laughs> in all reality, like, it's it's an amazing thing. Like, just to trick a turkey like that. And it's not it, – it's, it's not all, like it, – being in the timber, it's a lot more fun to not have a decoy than to have a decoy. In my opinion. Mm-hmm. And the other thing too, and one of the reasons I stopped using decoy is because I'm just so nervous of having that thing out in front of me running around on public land. And now I have a Jake decoy 15 yards in just, front of me. We just had this conversation. I think I made the statement, you know, a handful of years ago when I took the, or did I say a handful of years ago, it was a handful of years ago, things changed. But a long time ago when I took the hunter safety course, like turkey hunting was the number one thing that they harped on because we are walking around the woods sounding like the prey that we're out there trying to shoot. Mm-hmm. And everybody was just, I mean, you did not carry a red handkerchief. You did not 
take your white pack of cigarettes out of your shirt pocket. I mean, you did not carry red, white, and blue into the woods. I mean, you were shunned if you did during turkey season because it resembled a turkey's head and people were shooting at turkey's heads. Now we are literally crawling behind the most realistic replica <laughs> turkey. And I mean, some of these states, you can even shoot rifles. We now have TSS and it will kill somebody at an extreme amount of distance mm -hmm. so i mean it's just so crazy but you know to each his own um i have reasons you know like i just mentioned for not doing it because mm -hmm. it just it changes the game in a way that i don't like mm -hmm. um, we have a lot of questions out there it's a steamy conversation when you start talking about a lot of these things because of that chink in the turkey's armor that they do have that that visual stimulus that, that does trip a trigger that they can't turn off. It's, it's physically, it, they can't turn it off. Um, that's why that we have the, have the species around today because of their ability to risk it all to, to spread their seed. I mean, that's why you see turkeys attacking their reflection and mirrors. That's why you see turkeys attacking, um, spinning tires that they think is another, an intruding strutting Turkey. And that's why you have people catching turkeys, when they're using these fans and stuff, I mean, they are wired, they are hardwired to spread their seed and defend it at all costs. And our ability to reason has capitalized on that. And is it putting the resource at danger? We all have our opinions, I guess. Um, but I'm not sure y'all wanted to turn that leaf on this podcast, so I'll shut up now. <laughs> no, no, it's all right. You can turn it. It's fine. These people need to hear some of that. Because I, I was, my next question was, was what is your thoughts on on the the afternoon hunting because they had just turned it on here in Connecticut and a couple of years ago and a lot of people have different thoughts on it like the after the 12 o'clock or after two o'clock allowing you to hunt into the evening like do you feel as that is affecting the turkey population in some of these areas by doing such a thing I think statistically it's going to be hard to prove that it affects you know I think some research studies have been done um, that shows that afternoon hunting doesn't have much effect. And I don't think the success percentage um, is is out there to, to say that it's going to negatively affect turkeys to anything statistically able to be proven, like is it's not going to be enough. Mm -hmm. But I think a, something that it may interfere with is the disruption. Um, you know, that's been a big topic that a lot of uh, research has been, or not research has been done on, but it's just been a big topic of discussion about uh, the disruption. And I think limiting afternoon hunting, it may not be that big of a deal because I don't know how much, I mean, the percentage of afternoon hunting as it relates to morning hunting is minute, I'm assuming, because I just doesn't seem like as many people are out there hunting in the afternoon. So it may not be enough to even make a difference. But that being said, I just, I don't think it, I selfishly, I don't like afternoon hunting because I, it makes me stop. <laughs> right. It makes me stop. And I, it, and, and it gives me a moment to edit or to get my stuff together for the next day. Um, and I do like um, for their, I just like the idea of there being a moment of the day that a Turkey can be a Turkey mm -hmm. with a disruption. Um, I used to love it when Florida would, would have a one o'clock closing. Um, we hunted some WMAs down in Florida that were extremely high pressure. I mean, people talk about pressure and blah, blah, blah. And, oh, the pressure is worse now. Listen, hunted turkeys for like a lot of years down in Florida. 
um, I'm trying to think, you know, 15, 18 years I've been down there hunting their public ground. It was as pressured the first day out I ever hunted it as it is now, if not more so. I mean, the t- hunting pressure down there has always been extremely, extremely high. Using rifles, I mean, the whole nine yards was legal down there. So, um, all that being said, that used to close it one o'clock you couldn't turkey hunt on their public ground after one o'clock and we would watch turkeys come out into these fields in the evenings um strutting gobbling doing things that you just flat out didn't see during the hunting periods and we would we were non-residents we were out of towners like we were living there essentially out of our trucks and whatever so everybody else was going home or the majority of folks were going home or going back to their motel rooms and uh these turkeys were getting to be turkeys um i like that even on a place that they were literally didn't have a, a corner to turn without bumping into somebody in the mornings, those evening times, they did have a time to for turkeys to be turkeys. I like that idea. Um, like I said, and selfishly, I like, I like having a, a moment to take a breath because I know if it, if it's not against the law, then I'm going to hunt them most likely. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think that's us, us as, as human nature, just like, you know, like the state here, they allow five birds. So what are you going to do? They allow it. So you go and do it, right? Is it the right yeah. thing to do? Should you do it? No. But like you just as human nature, like you just said, like if they're going to let me do it, I'm going to do it. Right. So like, yeah. you just, <laughs> we're a lot of us are, are, are pumping the brakes, even where things like that. And, when I say like selfishly, I, I I would I like the noon or the 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 evening closers because I know I'm gonna go hunt. It's not that I know that I'm gonna go hunt. It's just not like if I like pumping the brakes myself for my own personal reasons to to take care of things or to you know let birds be birds like I mentioned. And I like knowing that nobody else is supposed to be doing it too. Right. So it's completely selfish. It, you know I, I don't know if it has any uh actually uh any kind of scientific statistical meaning or, or uh but it uh it's purely selfish that if i wanted to pump the brakes and give time for the turkeys to be turkeys i want to make sure i would like for everybody else to pump the brakes and let turkeys be turkeys too you know <laughs> no i agree to you then then they can go and they can roost and then they can get back on them roost trees where you mm-hmm. know that they are so you can get back in yeah. and hunt them in the morning like i i totally yeah. agree i mean with us going from noon till dark I would like to just see it be open till, like you said, one or two o'clock, and then get everybody mm-hmm. out of the woods and let those turkeys get back in and doing their thing. Because I, we don't. I mean, obviously, on the eastern birds, it's not. If if somebody bumps them off and they go to another, say, like in the afternoon, and they go to another like roosting tree, it might not be all that far because there is a water source, a food source, so you're not really mm-hmm. pushing them. But in some of these states, when you're pushing them out of those those nesting areas and those areas that they are, they're going three times further, and they might not or have a tougher time getting back into those nesting areas to mm-hmm. then reproduce again, right? I mean, that's my thoughts on it. I, I mean, uh, it's just any kind of disruption, but that's right. going to happen morning or afternoon, you mm-hmm. know. Um, I think a lot of these people are just uh, a lot of the a lot of the the minds out there are just trying to figure out a way for we can still enjoy turkey hunting like we like to enjoy it, but at the same time, kind of dis uh, reduce some of that disturbance. I think um, you know, uh, bumbling through the woods and bumping hens off nest or interrupting the breeding cycle or blowing the turkeys out of the tree or you know, getting all of that kind of out of out of whack. Um, I think is is something that they're um, 
kind of tying some of the pulp, uh, the decrease in pulp production, or kind of tying some of that to, to the disruption in the breeding process, potentially. I mean, there's so many different things that mm-hmm. it could be that we just flat out don't know, which is why I think it's a, a huge positive that we've got organizations throwing money at research, trying to get some answers. Um, you got agencies making some moves um, to try to, you know, put a Band-Aid on it until we figure out the answers um, or potentially not a Band-Aid. It could be the cure-all. Who knows? But we don't ever know unless we make some of those changes. So um, I applaud those agencies and, and stuff for doing that. Um but yeah, I mean, as far as the disruptions and as far as the evening hunting, um, I don't know if statistically you're ever going to prove that it causes something. But me and my little mind, I like, like I said, I like knowing that the turkeys have a moment of the day to um, to do what turkeys do. Mm-hmm. Do you have a favorite state that you like to hunt that's like the all-time, like, like do you like hunting that certain state because of the because of Merriam's or because of, you know, something like that, or you just, just like killing turkeys? Um, I just like hunting turkeys. Yeah. <laughs> but Eastern turkeys will always be my thing. Like Eastern turkeys are what turkey hunting is. Um, it's a nice treat to go hunt Miriam's and Rio's. Um, Osceola's are near and dear to my heart. I love them as much as anything, but if I had to hunt one of them, it's going to be the Easterns because they live where I love to be. And that's hardwoods, that's ridges, that's mountains, that's benches. Um, that's where um, I love to be. There's no place in the world that I'd rather be is in the rocks with the mountain oaks at my back. So um, that's why Easterns are king for me. Is it? Do they gobble a lot more than some of the other turkeys and they play a lot nicer? Or is it just... Who's that? The Easterns. Oh, no, that's... Probably the opposite. Really? They play their, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Eastern turkeys, especially mountain turkeys that can use that terrain, um, yeah, they play dirty, and that's what makes them fun. <laughs> yeah, they, all all tools have to be at the helm when you're hunting hunting them, and that's what's fun. Is and that's what makes Osceola's near and dear to my heart too, because those are some those are some mean little boogers. I mean, they are tough turkeys. Um, people think make it look easy. Um, because we go down there and we kill one or two or we kill a few or uh, we kill some with some consistency. But, you know, it's not like you're talking about somebody and people that have an extreme amount of experience, a lot of trial and error. Um, and frankly, bad video just doesn't get a lot of traffic. So I. Uh, while I'm always trying to show the journey, when I started the Penhody Project, we were focusing on the journey. It wasn't about the reward, like I mentioned. It wasn't about the trophy at the end of the rainbow um, or the goal at the end of the rainbow, I guess I should say. It was it was trying to focus on that journey. Um, but, I mean, frankly, people just don't want to watch you walk through the woods without killing nothing for 10 hours. I mean, they just don't. So you have to um, kind of expedite that bitter part of the process um so that's what makes these videos seem like we kill one with consistency every day or every other day or whatever it may be it may seem like that but it's not the case um yeah that's just the way it's the way the cookie crumbles you know is it is it because is it because the florida birds just have so much like predators that are on them that they make them a little bit tougher like everything's trying to kill them 
everything's trying to kill them and the vegetation is so thick. Um, you're, you've got a wet butt and wet feet every time you, you're down there. You're, you're wet. It wasted from waist down at least, typically even higher than that, you know. So, I mean, you're wet. Um, sand's everywhere it shouldn't be. Um, it is just an uncomfortable experience. You've got to, I think you, they call it, you got to embrace the suck. Mm. I mean, you've just got to learn. You've got to be comfortable being uncomfortable. Um, you know, this past year was a perfect example. Yeah, we got down there and we killed a few turkeys, but we were sleeping, um, camping. Uh, it, the lows were like 78 degrees. So, I mean, you were camping and sweating all night. Um, you got to sleep and, you know, you got to sleep under a bug net. I mean, it is, you've got to be comfortable being uncomfortable and understand that it is a grind, um, makes the success that much sweeter though. You know, I mean, when you work for it like that and you keep wet feet for a week, um, it's just, just fun, you know, and, Mm -hmm. And I don't know, that's that's just something different about turkey hunters, or at least a lot of turkey hunters, that we we find a place that is difficult, that added challenges and stuff. And while at the moment we're just ready to kill a turkey and be out of there, as soon as we're out of there, we're like, man, I can't wait to go back. You know, I mean, those places that were tough, um, they always draw us back, you know, because I think I think those tough places we leave thinking that there was something else where we were there that was there to learn that we didn't learn that would make it make sense. Because a lot of times when a place is tough, it won't make sense for you. You haven't figured it out. And I think that when you leave and it was difficult, you feel like there's more to learn that you, that you missed to where somewhere that you may kind of be able to be on turkeys a little quicker and have a little, little quicker success. You kind of feel like you figured it out. Absolutely. Well, Dave, I want to ask you one last question before we cut you off is uh, what drives you outdoors, Dave? Oh, man, the experience, buddy. I mean, you can't – What, regardless of what it is, obviously I'm a turkey-centric person, so it's always the communication. It's always just the next sunrise and the potential of what could be, um, and you never know. There's no two experiences the same, and, you know – Every moment we live, man, we'll never get to live it again. You know what I'm saying? So like the moment that I had yesterday morning, I'll never be able to live that moment again. The moment the moment we have tomorrow, we'll never be able to live it again. So it's just trying to swallow up as many of those moments as you can. Um, make yourself available. Like if springtime is your time, like it is for mine, do whatever it takes to be out there. Because that's something that um, that dawned on me many moons ago was like, you know, we're only going to get so many of these springs um, you're only going to have so many springs with good knees. You're only going to have so many springs that you can climb that mountain. Um, my, one of my biggest pet peeves is like, man, one of these days, when I retire, I'm going to do what you do. When I retire, I'm going to go hunting all these days. Well, man, what if you don't make it? You, we don't, we're not promised tomorrow. So um, take advantage of every moment that you have because every moment that we live, we can't live it again. Um, if you want to go next door and hunt, then go next door and hunt. Um, put 20 bucks in a jar a week or a, or a month. You know, it don't take that much to, to hunt turkeys. It's the poor man's big game. That's what Doc Weddle called it. I mean, and it's, it's a perfect, a perfect description. I mean, typically we can get a state tag for a couple hundred bucks. Um, live out of your truck. You typically have less than 500 bucks in a, in a, in a trip, you know, if you go next door. Um, all depending on how extravagant you want to be and, and learning to live uncomfortable, like we just mentioned, um, and seize the moment because, you know, 23, if we get there, 
spring 23 could be our last one. You don't, you don't know. And um, I lay down my head at night knowing that that moment, that spring moment that I had yesterday, that's the last one. I'm good with it because I give it a hundred percent and I looked at as many sunrises down the barrel of a gun as I, as I possibly could. I think a lot Amen. of people can, lay, from, can learn from that. Well, Dave, man, where can everybody find you if they don't already know who you are or where to find you? Uh, Penhody Project, a little bit everywhere. I mean, anywhere that you can find anything. Basically, YouTube uh, is where our content hits. We're on Mossy Oak Go. It's another streaming um, platform that you can find all our, our uh, videos there. Um, then of course, Instagram, Facebook, you can find us there and, and interact with us there. We'd love to have you. Um, and then pinhodyproject.com If you want to buy Yelpers or buy pot calls or hat shirts, all that kind of good fancy stuff. We got a bunch of stuff on there. So come check us out and love to have you and any questions, shoot us some, shoot us a message. Absolutely, Dave. We really appreciate it. We'll put the links in here below and for everybody else. Thanks for taking the ride right here on the outdoor drive. <laughs>